Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And I'm David. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. So, Legacy Games. Well, obviously, Risk Legacy was the first, and it was, the, was certainly the well, it might have been the first game to change permanently, but it was certainly the first to carry the word legacy in the title after a colon. Well, I think it was probably the first that was widely known mm-hmm. as a, I'm buying this, I know I am buying this with the aforementioned contract exactly. to I mean, wreck role- my copy, but to make it better in the process. Role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons have had permanent changes forever. Oh, yeah. But uh, this is this is a board game, very much a board game, and the sort of thing you expect to be able to play over and over again and for it to be the same each time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really something. However, it wasn't the one that made the biggest splash. No. Clearly, it was Pandemic Legacy, where Rob Davio teamed up with Matt Leacock of Pandemic fame to create something that takes it a little farther. Um, In Risk Legacy, the players, you don't know which faction you're going to be each time. So none of the factions really belongs to you. You might play this faction this time, that faction next time. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Exactly. I also didn't know that there were bears and giant robots. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's over the top. For some reason, I always knew that it was theatrical, but I thought it was theatrical, like, you know, like a drama, and it was different countries. Oh, no, no, no. There's more to it than just that. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I realize this now, but... <laughs> We've been deliberately speaking vaguely about it because, well, with the advent of legacy should. games, we now actually have such a thing as spoilers for board games. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. It's... I mean, I guess, we, and we'll come onto this on Friday, but things like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective mm. could be spoiled, but it's not the same kind of spoiler we're talking no. about here. No, clearly not. We'll get into that later. Yeah. So, um, what was different about Pandemic Legacy? Well, first of all, Pandemic, as we all know, is a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. It's a game where everybody's in it together. Massive global outbreak of infectious disease. Humans are on the verge of extinction. You, the players, must discover cures for these plagues to save humanity. And um, it's well known for being a very dramatic, very intense, and if you play it at a higher difficulty level, very difficult game to win. Great design, very popular. So Pandemic Legacy takes that and stretches it out over the course of a fictional year of time. You play your first game of Pandemic Legacy, it's January, and midway through your first month, midway through that first game of Pandemic Legacy, you're going to have to, you're, you're going to be instructed to take the card that says you win by discovering cures for all four diseases, which is how you win a game of Pandemic, tear that card in half, throw it in the garbage, and replace it with another card that says, okay, now this is how you win. And it just continues to snowball from there, mm-hmm. getting wilder and more. Expe- it's got plot twists, it's got drama, it's got intrigue, it's got suspense. Um, it's one of the most astounding game experiences I've ever had at a tabletop. And Seconded. I'm not even a big fan of Pandemic. I like the way that you describe it as having plot twists and drama because uh, I've never played Pandemic Legacy myself, but I have played Pandemic quite a few times and I've heard a lot about Pandemic Legacy and I know a lot of people have played it and to me it always felt so narrative driven mm-hmm. you know I mean oh, it is. we we, com- we talked about Rick's like that we talked about risk legacy having a lot of room for players to affect the game and mm-hmm. make choices to open certain envelopes or rip apart certain things or put stickers on certain things but pandemic legacy to me really just seems like this horrible thing is happening and you are along for the ride and you are trying to keep your head above water 
not knowing what terrible thing is going to happen next. Well, and that's it. And the big thing that separates Pandemic Legacy from Risk Legacy is Pandemic Legacy, because it is cooperative, the players aren't deliberately changing things against each other. Mm -hmm. They're all working Mm -hmm. towards the same goal. And so a lot of those conditions for opening boxes that exist in Risk don't exist in Pandemic because they wouldn't work. So instead, it is story-driven. You have this fictional year... And one thing, and this isn't a spoiler at all, one thing you know at the top of every month is you are going to turn over a card that tells you what is happening or what what you are going to have to do that month as a result of what has happened in the previous month. Mm -hmm. And that will change the game in some way. And I'm going to give a couple of minor spoilers here so anyone who is not interested in hearing spoilers, you are getting a five-second warning right now to hit the forward button on your podcast so that you skip the next 30 seconds. Shall we count down? Okay. If you're still here, here are some spoilers. (laughs) In the first three months of the game, fundamentally what you will do is you will bring in the expansions for the original pandemic. So the first thing that happens halfway through game one is one disease becomes incurable. One of the things that happens later on will be in one of the other expansions. And it fundamentally changes the game in ways it's been changed already. From April and onwards, it goes crazy. And I'm not going to say any more than that because I would never want to spoil anything else for anybody. Okay, spoilers end. Yes. (laughs) But uh, the other thing too is that Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy face two very different approaches to the same problem. Right. That is, when you permanently alter a game, there you, you do run the risk of rendering it to an unplayable state where certain elements of the game will become broken, mm-hmm. unworkable. In Risk Legacy, if one of the factions becomes too powerful, well, in theory, it would always win, but here's the thing. Risk is a game that has a lot of interaction between players. Absolutely. A group of weaker players can gang up on a stronger player, mm-hmm. and oh. then, as a result of winning several times in a row, those weaker players will get stronger. So if you were playing the same faction over and over again, you would want, obviously want to snowball. You want to win so you can get stronger, so you can win more, so you can mm-hmm. get stronger. But because they randomize that at the start of each game, it's not so much of a concern. You're trying to win each individual game, but you don't necessarily have a huge stake in it for something that's going to last that long. What's going to change is the world itself mm-hmm. yeah. more than anything else. And that is the world that you're going to be playing in. But because Pandemic Legacy is cooperative, there is that danger of the snowball. I mean, obviously, a game design should incentivize good play, right? You should you should have a reason to want to win. Yes. If the game incentivizes losing, then, well, that's a bit of a problem. I mean, unless that's the point. I suppose it could. The thing is, though, that, well, you, you, you want to make it so that players feel good about winning. Yeah. And you kind of want them to feel sad about losing as well. So the game should get easier or better for you, and we should get more powerful if you win, and the game should get harder. Things should get worse if you lose, right? Except here's what happens if you design it that way. Some people will play their Pandemic Legacy game and find that they've lost the first few games and now they have no possible chance of coming back. That's how it would have been if they hadn't taken that into consideration. Yeah. Because there is a brilliant conceit in the game. What the, the, the key to doing well in a game of Pandemic, and everybody who's played it knows this, is those special action cards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, at the start of your first game of Pandemic Legacy, you've got four of them in the deck. So if you win, the CDC says, oh, well, uh, clearly you've got this under control, so we're going to dedicate some of our resources to other areas. You can you can get by with two fewer special action cards your next game. That'll you don't need that many helicopters. You don't, you don't, it's it's okay. You got this. On the other hand, if you lose, then the CDC says, whoa, okay, obviously you guys need more resources. You need more help. So here, have two more cards that you can put in the deck which firstly gives players more more uh, special tricks that they can use and secondly means that proportionally there's a smaller number of epidemic cards in the deck mm-hmm. so they don't come up as often we were talking before we started recording 
uh, David, you were saying that, you know, one of your most recent games of Pandemic Legacy was, you know, in typical Pandemic fashion, <laughs> you could have won if you had made it one more turn, you were down to the oh, last yeah. card of the deck. And well, this is, this is season two now, um, which oh. plays, it plays very differently, and, mm. and I'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, it was literally, there was one player card left, which means I would lose the game if I had to draw another one after my next turn, and my first action on that next turn would have won me the game. And instead, they placed out the final cube that killed me the end of the turn right before that, and that was the end of my game. <sighs> and it's, it's, there's a certain amount of the story part of me that wants to say, just let me take that action so that I can have a Pyrrhic victory. But that's not how the game works. And I lost, and fair and square. And if I did that on the final game, I might allow myself that little bit of leeway to say, Mm -hmm. okay, let's finish the story properly. Mm -hmm. But for game one, and this was game one of season two, because I just got my copy yesterday, no, I'm going to let that failure happen and suck the consequences up and deal with it. But those sorts of failures happen all the time in pandemics. You know, you may think, oh, two cards. What's two cards in a deck of like 75? Everything. Oh, yes. Everything. Like those two cards could be life or death, literally because of the theme. And because of the way that the, the legacy campaign is set up, it happens more often later on because... The, it, it's it's a self-correcting mechanism that yeah. gives you more cards, more options mm-hmm. if you're losing, and takes away cards, gives you fewer cards if you're winning, until it arrives at that perfect Middle focus stage. point where you are just on the razor's edge, and every game is a nail-biter. Yeah. Well, it, and actually, it's realistic, uh, because that's what would happen in the real world. If you are succeeding too well in something that has limited funding they will pull your funding and put it elsewhere Mm -hmm. and if you are really really suffering they will do their best to pull funding from other people and give it to you so they've actually implanted a real world mechanism that balances the game which is awesome I love it it's a really nice piece Um, of work so Season season two, David. Oh yeah, David. Which which just which just just, just came out came out, um, came out last which week. I have so. not been able to play. Oh yeah, I played my first game, and it's interesting because it it carries on the story from season one, but it is standalone. You can absolutely start playing it without having played. the The difference between the two is game one of Pandemic begins with you playing Pandemic. Uh, sorry, yeah. of season one begins with you playing Pandemic. Game one of season two begins with you playing a very different game, mm. and there is actually a prologue that you play, which is nothing to do with the campaign. That is a basic game of season two, so that you can understand how the new rules work. Oh, that's excellent! Wow, it's really smart. Um, it's so like thoughtfully done. It is. You know? It's really, really smartly done, and it's the the, the fundamental mechanisms and workings of the game are still the same but it's different enough that if you tried to play it without having played anything else you would not understand the priorities like my prologue game when I played it I did not understand the priorities and how things would weigh out Uh, and then when I went in to play game one and I was like okay now I know I need to do this a bit more because that is how this particular resource is going to be swallowed during the game And to give a tiny bit of an idea of what's happened, people know Pandemic, I I think, most people playing this, and you gave a quick pricey uh, at the beginning. In this one, it's set 71 years later. 71 years after season one. Correct. It's so specific. It's very specific. Um, Steve Tassie said to me, well, it doesn't really make a difference. You know, you, you, however you ended up Pandemic season one, the world has still gone to hell in season two. And I'm like, (laughs) 
Except in season one, you played an average of 18 games of Pandemic. Of course the world has gone to hell. What do you expect? In Pandemic, I don't know. In- Things actually went pretty well at the end of our campaign. Well, and we- I did pretty well too. But you still have those cities that have collapsed because they just got hit too many times by the disease. Well, and, okay. You know, things have gone south and you can't avoid that. And that's one of the mechanics in season one is that if, if cities get hit too hard repeatedly, they actually become almost impassable, if not impossible to enter. Uh, in season two... The the survivors have secluded themselves on three sea-bound havens. Um, One just off South America, one just off North America, and one in the Mediterranean. And they have very limited contact with the coast of the continents that they surround. And you, during the course of the game, presumably, because I've only played one game and I lost brutally, um, (laughs) you will uncover the continent base of the rest of the world and find those areas that are not on the board right now. And so you have this wonderful board that is literally like one third of it that you can see and the rest of it is empty space. And it literally says somewhere in the rulebook, when you get map stuff to stick on the board, stick it on based on the coordinates. So you're obviously going to find the world in time, uh, which is just such an awesome concept for me. Wow. Um, And the core mechanism that has changed is there is one disease, the plague, and you have supplies is a new resource and every territory starts with supplies on it and you can manufacture them at your supply centers which are what research centers used to be um or at the three havens and whenever a city comes out of the infection deck you pull one supply off it and if it's the one that comes off the bottom of the deck for an epidemic you take all the supplies off it if a city comes up and there's no supplies on it it gets a plague cube Mm. And a plague cube actually advances what used to be the outbreak meter, which is uh, now the incident meter. Mm. Uh, so if you get eight plague cubes out, you lose the game. But you can also have outbreaks from the plague as well. It really is a different game. It's a very different game. And it's the way your mind thinks, you start with nine cities on the board. And so that infection deck has, I think it's every city is three times oh in God. the deck. Oh, no. But in the player oh. deck, every city is also there three times. And so it's this weird... Like, I'll leave the rest of it for people to discover when they pick the game up, but it's this incredible shift that gives you the same game completely differently. Well, that's that's a hell of a game. Oh, yeah. I think on Friday we're going to want to take a look at... We're going to have to cover basically everything else other than a risk of pandemic. (laughs) The entire legacy genre in In one episode. In our heads... When we were planning this out, this was planned a lot differently. Mm-hmm. But we just like to talk. I also get very excited about Pandemic Legacy. Well, you, you, you and a lot of other people. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's real, there's, there's a reason why Legacy is a big deal, and it's Pandemic. Yeah, agreed. Join us again on Friday. We're going to actually talk about some other Legacy games. See you then. Mm-hmm.